0: You're listening to The Russell Brad Podcast. Cut the shit. How many red carpets you guys want to walk in your $4,000 ridiculous heels? You will never be able to lace up my Chuck Taylor. This is your fault. This is your fault. I didn't get mad when you stole all my moves. Your daddy's not here anymore. It's. How was your movie, by the way? Oh, I missed I, it. Mine went straight to DVD, just like yours. Careful you don't hurt your neck again going through those roads. What's going on, guys? This is episode 183 of the Wrestle Red podcast. My name is JD, the first effing lady of the Bloodline Entertainment Network. If you don't know the Bloodline Entertainment Network, I'll just put your ones in the chat, okay? Just acknowledge all of us. The Bloodline Entertainment, go to the website to make sure you check out the latest in sports and entertainment as well. Sports entertainment, but also sports and entertainment as well. Um, a lot has happened this past week. Uh, first of all, I am tired. You know how you like go on vacation, you come back from work, and like you're backed up and you're tired. I went to went on vacation for over a week ago, and I am still like trying to catch up and everything. Um, but we had a lot of happen in the week of wrestling and everything like that. Uh, first of all, shout out to the people already showing up in the chat for just in time because he is just in time with the ones in the chat too also shout out to the moneymaker what's going on as well but yeah it's been a lot that has happened this past week in wrestling as we move along to um backlash or wrestlemania backlash that's going on in may we're working towards double or nothing for AEW as well but um yeah let's get into it and let's get started with some news as well let's get into the dirt sheets um So first of all, the first news, now take this all with a grain of salt. So I'm just going to talk about what news it is and my thoughts about it stuff like that. If it's true, you know, it's true. If it's not true, then it's not true. Um, But the first one is, is that Cody Rhodes, when he was out in LA, was looking to go into Hollywood. So looking to follow the steps of Roman Reigns and the tribal chief and everyone who had went over to the um, Hollywood movies and stuff. And apparently, uh, so two roles have been mentioned. The first one, and I'm sure a lot of people will be so excited about this. Um, The first one is a lead role in the Legend of Zelda movie. I'm like, are you about to play uh, Link's Pops or something? Like, I know you're not the, I hope he's not looking to play Link unless this is like, year 3000 link or something like that uh cuz i don't see that happening um but also too uh the second one that came about is a um a role in the mortal combat sequel as johnny cage and he did tweet a long time ago about wanting to be a uh, johnny cage but we all have already agreed that this is going to The Miz. I mean, The Miz have been playing as Johnny Cage for years. I mean, I feel as though The Miz is probably would probably be perfect for that role. Um, but apparently, Cody Rhodes wants to go for it. But if he could play a better Johnny Cage than The Miz, I'm all for it. I love the first Mortal Kombat movie. Um, I had watched all the previous ones, of course, and played the games and everything. But if he is, if he feels though he could play a better Johnny Cage than The Miz, which I don't know, we'll see. We'll see. I know that Cody Rhodes was in the um Arrow series, the Green Arrow series, and I didn't see that, so you know, we'll see what happens. Johnny Cage and The Miz go together like peanut butter and jelly. I know The Miz has been playing pretty much Johnny Cage for decades, yo, for decades, like the. He calls himself the A Lester Hollywood star and stuff like that. He's been playing him. He got the sunglasses and everything. All the Miz have to do is learn how to do the splits. Because <laughs> he should know that we all want to see, we all want to see the punch, of course. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping that he would um I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how it's gonna go. But I'm hoping that the Miz will get it because soon as as soon as it was revealed that. Johnny Cage was the Johnny Cage poster was revealed in the original Mortal Kombat movie. Um, people have already campaigned for the Miz to be in the sequel, and so we'll see how that goes. Um, also, next up, uh, Mercedes Monet had posted on her Instagram story um, that she is definitely moving to Japan, and she is going to the she's going to a Japanese language school to learn, I guess, how to speak more fluently in Japanese. She's just having the time of her life. I guess sorry to all the people who feel as though she's immediately going to uh, WWE or won't be able to make into in New Japan. It seems like she's doing pretty well uh, or in Japan, I should say. But it seems like she's doing pretty well. I'm happy for her because it seemed like it was her dream to go and wrestle in Japan. Um, And she's meeting a lot of people who she admired as well. I say, you know, go for it. It's not the end of the world. That's what I love about outside the WWE bubble with AEW and all these other uh, companies is that people can if WWE is no longer the end of the road you know if you if you want to explore other options you can explore other options and you could do it successfully exactly Mercedes is living her best life and I love it exactly and I love it too like she's out here being able to meet legends that she always wanted to meet um yeah Actually, Mercedes always said she loves Japan, so I'm not surprised. And I'm not surprised either. She loves the culture over there and everything. And I'm happy for her that she's able to do what she needs to do. And she seems to be accepted over there. So, of course, she like is still very WWE with some of her promos and stuff. And like I said before, it's going to take her a while to get away from that because she was literally brought up and you know trained and did promo classes and stuff like that just like WWE. so it's going to take a while for her to kind of like separate the um Sasha Banks and become um Mercedes Monet so we'll see how it goes um shout out to you the Universal Wrestling Podcast what's good JD that's right one's in the chat and acknowledge us um yeah I'm happy for Mercedes Monet and so uh, like it was I was kind of upset at the way that people reacted when she decided to go over to Japan And they feel as though she wasn't going to make it and things like that But I, i'm happy for her like I feel as though if you want to go to japan go to japan if you want to go to AAA, If you have even if you want to go to aw if you want to go to gcw If you want to go to impact if you just want to bag groceries at, at um shop or something like that i say go for it like do what makes you happy you know and she's living her best life that's all we can say about it if she goes if she back to we that's her decision you know we're not in the ring wrestling for her so you know i i it's all about what makes the person happy but i just hope that that person gets booked correctly and is used to their money value Now she did like tweet earlier this week that she's like very happy. One of the best days of her life or something like that. So I don't know if she got offered a contract or something, or she's getting word about either a match or something like that. That's coming in the future, but we'll see what happens um, as we get closer to whatever it is that she was referring to. Um, Also, we heard from uh, of course that, AEW is going to be having a possible Saturday show, which I think is very interesting. Apparently, it's coming in mid-May and the show will be starting in June. I believe the first show, I don't know if the first show is taking place in Chicago or not. And of course, a lot of people believe that that's the show where they're going to be featuring CM Punk more and kind of do a bit of a brand split, which... I'm fine with I'm fine with a bl- a brand split when it comes to AEW because they have a lot of people on the roster. They have a lot of talented people on the roster, and um, plus you have Ring of Honor and things like that. And there's not a not a lot not a lot of live TV for AEW specifically. Um, I mean they have Rampage and stuff, but Rampage gets bounced around depending on the if basketball is on or hockey or something like that because TNT and TBS they'll they're very quick to tell you to like, okay, we're going to, we're going to bump you to Saturday at a uh, 10 o'clock or something like that because of, um, the, uh, because of basketball or something like that. Uh, moneymaker said, I said for a while, AEW needed to do a brand split. Yeah. And I agree. Cause they have a lot of talented people on their roster and not a lot of people are getting the opportunities to be seen on TV. The big thing with AEW is that, um, and I'll get into it more when I talk about Jay White. Um, Tony Khan kind of assumes that we know all about all the wrestlers that's going on into there. And there is a big, there is a portion of us who do know, like, we know who Jay White is. We know people from AAA, for example, and stuff like that. Um, but it's like, there are people who watch AEW who don't know people from New Japan or people, even people from Ring of Honor as well. Um with the brand split, will AW give more time to the ladies? Fingers crossed that they will do that, right? You would think that now you have four hours, technically five hours of TV that you would give more time to the women outside of like one, two, well, yeah, pretty much one storyline because even with Jay Cargill, it's not technically a storyline. They just book her in a squash match just to say we put on another match on for rampage but i'm hoping it gives more opportunity but i hope this gives tony khan like the uh, the chance to ask for help okay because now you're in control of a lot of shows at this point point. and while yes vince mcmahon was like head creative and stuff like that he still had people i mean he still had people do writing and stuff like that like everything goes to him ultimately but he still had people coming to him with ideas and kind of like flush out things and you get the final say of yes and no. And he had a lot of people doing production and stuff like that. So I'm hoping that um, with this brand split that Tony Khan would be able to kind of flush out more ideas for the women's brand and stuff like that. That made me this light is making me very shiny. Okay, I'll do this. But yeah, this um I hope in this brand split will um, help out people who haven't been seen on TV for a while because now we have Sean Spears back as well um and he's Tony Khan is still signing more people and things like that which it feels like signing people to keep them away from WWE versus just signing people to collect like Christmas cards or something like that um but I'm hoping yes that women will get more time on these shows because now you have five hours of Live TV, especially if you since they do have around 800,000 continuously tuning in to Dynamite every single week, you start that second show on a Saturday. Uh, because it's been proven by not only WWE but um AEW as well that people will tune in to wrestling on a Saturday night. Heck, we were tuning in to uh wrestling on Sunday nights. Um, so I'll be very interested to see how this goes from here because usually AEW had um shows on Saturdays especially because they didn't want to go against the NFL during the NFL season so now that we have the shows on Sunday the papers pay-per-views on Sundays I wonder how that is going to um I wonder how that's going to go um yeah so the show is supposed to be airing from 8 to 10 on Saturdays uh, called aw collision now yes they did spell it wrong the first time that's why you have an autocorrect button on all of our devices um but it's supposed to be running from eight to ten which is going to be interesting when we decides to do their pay-per-views at the same time as the show because we know we is going to keep their pay-per-view show as well um so switching over to we um according to fifle they said that W.E. has reached a deal, especially now that we have Endeavor involved, um, that wrestlers and wrestlers will be able to stream on Twitch again, which I'm very excited about um, because I was actually watching a lot of the wrestlers when they were streaming. I had watched Xavier Woods. Um, I watched, of course, Adam Cole when he was Chugs, Um, And I was watching who else I watched? Um, I watched a little bit of Mia Yim when she streamed as well. There's a lot of, I think I I watched Zelina Vega as well. Um, But there's a lot of wrestlers who have very fun streams to check out. And if you haven't checked out like like um, Adam Cole's stream, go check it out. Loveliest community ever. He has like the best time. I don't blame him as to why he Twitch, him streaming was like top tier because he has such a ball streaming. And now, um, I don't know if people heard of the party. And that was that was from Xavier Woods' Up, Up, Down, Down during the pandemic era. Um, Xavier Woods, uh, Cesaro or Claudio, uh, Tyler Breeze and Adam Cole were all streaming, were all playing together. They were playing Uno together and they played for like a year and stuff like that, playing Uno and posting it on Up, Up, Down, Down. And they called themselves the party. And I watched it. Back then, too. And it was just like, it was so entertaining and everything. It kind of reminded you of, you know, having, you know, when we were all younger and having people over to play video games and stuff like that or board games and whatnot. And it was just the funnest time. So they kind of brought them back, of course, because they couldn't really do too much because then Adam Cole had left, Tyler Breeze left, and then, of course, um, Claudio had left as well. And now they're back to, they're like back together but not exactly officially, but now that we have this, um, this rumor of them allowing to stream Twitch, it seems like, you know, we may have things like that again, uh, Zelina Vega streaming again, probably as well, um, but it did say that there is um, there is a rumor, too, that there's almost no restrictions with it, but wrestlers would need permission if they want to have any performers from other co- other companies on their streams. So if Zelina Vega wants to do a stream with her husband, um, Malachi Black, as we know him as, she probably would have to get permission. Um, of course, Tyler Breeze, who is kind of under WWE contract. Um, he, him, Sean Spears and Baron Corbin had a stream to get our were roommates, I think. Um, and they streamed, they streamed together. And that was entertaining as well, if you haven't checked that out. Uh, Zelina was back streaming last week. Oh, I didn't even know that. I mean, I'll definitely go and check her out. Um, she was—I sh- found her entertaining too. She would pretty much like it was pretty much hard talking, and she'll like questions and things like that. Um, sometimes she'll do her cosplays and everything. Um, Drew Gulak too. Oh man, if you ever want to get into wrestling, Drew Gulak's streams were so informative. He would give advice of how to break into the wrestling business, um, things to do. Like, and I, there was a few times too, I think he would watch wrestling matches and he'll critique them and he'll give like coaching advice too. And I loved it. Like, even though I, I have no I have no plans of getting into the ring. The only time I will ever get into the ring is to shake some shake a wrestler's hand, or like if I get like some type of wish or something like that that I can be like featured in a segment and just stand there like the 10-year-old kid that teamed up with Braun Strowman. If I can get those type of things, I'll get into the ring then. But other than that, no, you won't see me in the ring. But if you are interested in getting to the ring, uh definitely check out if Drew Gulak ever starts streaming again to check him out. He his stuff was very um very, very good as well. So I'm excited for the wrestlers because I felt as though with the streaming, it really connects you more with the wrestlers. Like you felt as though like you kind of know them better. And it makes you a bigger fan of the of the person too. It's a lot of people who went into Adam Cole's stream um, and didn't know he was a wrestler, and that kind of like switched them over to AEW and watched him. Or if or Zelina Vega as well get to know her on the stream and like, oh, she's a wrestler, and you get to watch her too. It's just the fact uh, that, of course, they didn't like the fact that they were getting the revenue um, from Twitch, of course, with the um, subscriptions and things like that, and that's what kind of ran into the problem the first time, as well. But I'm happy for everyone as far as getting the um, the stream is uh, the streaming back as well. Um, also, too, uh, Stone Cold had talked to Sports Illustrated, and for all my friends, all my people who are upset at um who feel as though that cody rhodes shouldn't have ever lost well here goes the words of stone cold steve austin um he thought the rhodes versus reigns match was a five-star match with a perfect finish and this is from a guy who lost technically at wrestlemania 12 and that started the you know the that's what got people to cheer and love for him more um He said, "Um, I have a five-star scale. Okay, I'm going all in. To me, they got it right. They built it perfectly. It was a classic. I love it, and I wouldn't change a thing. I text a couple of people who were involved, and I sent a one-word text, magnificent. I love the finish. I loved all of it. Roman is so good right now. To me, you can't take that belt off of Roman right now. So, stone cold acknowledges the tribal chief (laughs) you want to get it to cody somehow some way sometime but now's not the time i kept asking how are they going to do this to have solo solo sokoa who has a great career in front of him jimmy and jay uso who are just so badass and plus sammy and kevin paul e i love all those guys they all play a great role roman is so hot it just wasn't time to pass the torch yet just thinking about that finish i thought it was definitely the right call I love the outside interference. You didn't know what was coming next. That spiked to the throat to me. It was money. And I agree. Um, I know a lot of people are saying that they feel as though that Cody Rhodes didn't go through em- enough adversity to get to this. I felt as though the him coming to WWE and immediately going for the, shot, the title shot and everything like that was very, very quick because all we got was him versus um, Seth Rollins he disappears people missed him and then he gets the royal rumble and then immediately people wanted to give him the top spot i felt as though too that roman reigns and the bloodline storyline is like a money maker for wwe right now and they have to resolve this they have to resolve the bloodline storyline before they take the titles off of roman and they already have the titles off of the usos and you kind of have to start dissecting the bloodline storyline but you kind of can't like draw it out or anything like that um now as far as when Cody will get the title I mean people feel as though it could happen at SummerSlam it could happen at Wrestlemania um I feel as though I feel as though it's going to be okay there are a lot of people who lost a big title match and still made it through The Rock um hell Mick Foley look how look at the storyline of Mick Foley Mick Foley won a title his first title on a Monday Night Raw and WE uh, WWE life loves to say that the reason why that happens because Eric Bischoff sat there and told people that he's going to win the title and then people switched, tuned in to watch. Um, the Rock as well. And I just mentioned Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold Steve Austin was very... Well, he was a heel, but when he wrestled Bret Hart at WrestleMania, he turned like technically a face and everything like that. Um, good point about, about Mick. Yeah. That's the truth. Um, Mick Foley is the perfect example. There's a lot of people who it took a long time for them to win the title. I mean, look at The Undertaker. I mean, I believe The Undertaker won his first title like in the early 90s. But when he started to turn face and things like that, the time it took for this guy to win the title. And he was winning manias, but just wasn't winning the title. Uh, I believe he won it off of, I would like to say Psycho Sid at 13. I don't know if it was Diesel or Cycle Sid. It was one of them two he won the title off of. And it's, and it's more things like that. I feel as though Cody Rhodes is going to be okay. I feel as though there shouldn't be a rush for this to go on Cody Rhodes. If Cody Rhodes is as hot as and they feel as though it's the right time, it's going to be the right time in the future as well. Um, I feel as though, t- you know, business-wise, it's a great example to leave it on Roman for right now to see if this, if this thing with... Cody Rhodes is actually legit not because we saw him for a short period of time. He got the injury, wrestled through it, and you know, because he was gone, a lot of people missed him and all we that we remember, oh man, that's such a great match, such a great match. And then we only had that short period of time of him coming back for the Royal Rumble and then challenging Roman Reigns. Now, let's see him go against other people, see him interact with different people as far as different storylines stuff like that. And if y'all still feel this guy cuz Roman Reigns held this title. Well, he's going to hold it for a thousand days, first of all. But Roman Reigns held this title for two years. Whoever takes the title next off of Roman Reigns has to have, has to pretty much hold the title and have such a significance with the title that Roman Reigns has had. Um, I mean, despite the fact whether you cheer for Roman Reigns or not, everybody tuned in to the Bloodline storyline. If you heard that Roman Reigns was coming in on SmackDown... I mean, they would announce he was coming on SmackDown and people would tune in. That's what you need for your champion. And I think if they had put the belt on Cody Rhodes and then people turned around and was like done with Cody Rhodes after six months, just like they did with Kofi Kingston, um, not so much with Becky Lynch. It took a while for people to start getting tired of her title reign. And now um, Bianca Belair, um, she didn't even hold the title as much as. I don't think she held the title. No, she didn't hold the title as much as Roman Reigns. And people are tired tired of her holding the title. So it's just like if you have all that going on, you got to be sure if you're going to put the title, two titles, potentially, on Cody Rhodes. You got to make sure that the people are going to stay with him no matter what, especially if you're trying to build him up to be the next big baby face. Pointless to bring up the next big baby face and people get tired of it within six months. So I feel as though this next year, this whole adversity next year is a great tale as if the hype and the love for Cody as strong as it was for WrestleMania, if it's because of Cody Rhodes, or is it because Cody Rhodes and dealing with such great heels like Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns, because a great baby face sometimes could be only as good as um, a great heel. And we've seen that a couple of times as far as someone who's a great baby face and they go against a good heel and then it kind of like, they then they go against somebody else and kind of fizzles out. Great example was um, Becky Lynch. Her going against um, not only Charlotte Flair, but Ronda Rousey, you know, great. Everybody was so hype and things like that. Um, even with uh, Daniel Bryan, as far as going against the authority and being called a B-plus player and everything like that, the love and the hype for Daniel Bryan during the Yes movement was so much at its peak because of the adversity that he had to go through for all this. And it, even um, my points that I said earlier as far as um, adversity Dean Bryan got won the title. Legitimately had it for about what ten seconds before before Randy Orton cashed in on him and won the title, and then he had to kind of like go from there. And it was such a better choice to have him win at WrestleMania at WrestleMania Thirty versus winning it at SummerSlam because of the story that got built up from there. So let's just hold off our horses and see the story that we get built up from there as far as what is going to happen with. Cody Rhodes. It's not the end of the it's not the end of the world, it's not the end of the world. Um so also let's go into the interview with um Nick Khan, not related to Tony of course. Um he had a interview. I forgot where the interview was from. Yeah, I forgot where the interview was from. But he was uh he was doing an interview And he brought up a lot of interesting stuff that has to do not only with the merge with um, and the creation of Endeavor, uh, but some of the things that's happening with WWE as well. Um, So the most interesting thing starting off is him saying that it was actually um, Ari Emanuel from Endeavor who had asked Vince to stay on as the executive chairman. And it wasn't an ask from Vince. So all these people who wanted Vince to be fired because now Vince has a new someone over him. Looks like that's not going to happen because it was actually his boss that told him to stay on. Like, listen, Vince has done a lot of crazy stuff over the past couple of years. But as far as m- taking marketing his little baby into what it is right now. I don't think anyone else would have done as good as a job as he did. He has made this a global thing. I mean, this went from, what, the territories back into the 80s to now this WWE, you say wrestling, people think of WWE. Uh, The biggest stars out there, you know, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Batista, John Cena, they all came from WWE. Stone Cold Steve Austin's well-known, Hulk Hogan, you know, a lot of big-name people came from wwe so he's one of the best people as far as making sure to get the marketing and get the name and the brand out there so as much terrible things he has done um business wise and things like that people are all still tuning in <laughs> especially some of us old and old head people still tuning in and everything like that um speaking events too um he also mentioned that Vince had articulated that Triple H remains the sole chief uh, sole chief creative officer. And he said sole. Like he's the, on- he's the only cr- chief creative officer. But there is no mention that Vince McMahon will probably be a creative advisor or something like that. You know, a bit of a name play with the roles here that he is the sole chief officer. But it doesn't mean that Vince probably won't say, you know, Put a little word or two in there through um, Kevin Dunn or somebody or somebody like that, but I'm hoping that this kind of puts the bed the rumors of Vince taking over and stuff like that because um, apparently he wasn't at Raw, he wasn't at SmackDown or anything like that, and there was still some a bit of booking issues and there was booking issues before Vince got involved anyway. So I'm hoping that fans, which probably won't exactly happen, will allow Triple H to take not only the positive booking, but the bad booking as well on his shoulders. Okay? So, um, also, too, um, some interest- other interesting things that some changes that may be coming is that um, it was brought up that the Edge versus Finn Balor match was stopped, the course, when Finn Balor was busted open and the possibility of WWE might be open to blood and gore after the merger of UFC is a done deal. So, we may get some blood, not some not blood and guts. Maybe not just yet, but definitely some blood. Shout out to Circle of Debate. Everyone put the ones in the chat for Circle Debate and for all the other my other bloodline brothers as well. Shout out to you. Um but yeah, look at that. Maybe some blood coming back. I know John Moxley is like, listen, I will have a. <laughs> John Moxley is ready to have a blood off with someone in WWE. Okay, I will not be surprised if they do decide to bring back blood in WWE. If somebody bleeds on Raw, and John Moxley is booked on Wednesday at Dynamite, I will not be surprised that we see something crazy from this guy because we just saw it on Raw. Okay. Uh, If that's the case, are they going to move to PG-14? I don't know. I hope, like, a part of me kind of hopes that they do, but I'm hoping that they just do it right, you know? Like, I don't, we don't need things to, like, go over the top or anything like that. The thing is with WWE, they have to figure out who who their audience is going to be because we had the PG era and stuff like that, and obviously they were booking for kids. When we were younger, they pretty much were booking for us as we grew up. So when we were younger, we had Hulk Hogan and stuff like that telling us to eat, eat our um, vitamins and say our prayers and stuff. And then we had, of course, that weird puberty age, and that's when we had the, um, that's when we had the new generation era where we had Doink the Clown, but we had Shawn Michaels and stuff like that. They was trying to put over Shawn and everything um, as like the top. You no, know, they were trying to put over Bret Hart as well. They were trying to make Bret Hart um, the new Hulk Hogan and stuff like that. So they was going through that weird phase where you're like, you know, 12 or 13-ish. And then we had, of course, the attitude error. And that's when we were all like, you know, a bunch of misfits as teenagers and stuff like that. Rebelling against people, telling suck it to our teachers and stuff. And then we had the Rufus aggression where we turned 18 and we feel as though we're adults. Like, you can't tell me what to do. I'm a grown person. And then they recycled, then they restarted the whole thing and decided, let's go back to booking for kids again. And so now they're just, like, in this weird place because a lot of people who... I, I'm very curious of the age range of people who watch them. Because I feel as though there are, like, a lot of people who watch them are, like, our age and or or people who bring their kids and stuff like that and get stuck because their kids saw John Cena. And so they start bringing them to The shows and now they're stuck bringing the kid to the show stuff like that um i agree i feel that the transaction should be more on endeavor um more on endeavor to work to see the analytics of the age demographic to from to decide to transition into tv 14. yeah i'm very curious as to what the age range is like how many of us you know I guess they love to do the 18 to 49 range, but I would love to see like how many, um, I would love to see them even break that down even more. Like how many people 18 and under tune in to watch um, and how many people like 18 to 30 and then 30 and older? Because I think that's a big difference of booking for someone who is like 18 years old and stuff like that versus, versus people our age who like, where you don't have to... The only thing I didn't like that WWE does is that they tend to dumb it down as if we don't understand what's going on, you know? I love the... I love, The thing I loved about the Bloodline storyline is that there were so many pieces to it and it was like you had to watch and you like start connecting the pieces yourself and not being told to connect the pieces, you know what I mean? Um, that we didn't have to say, hey, this is why this is why I did this and this, that, and the, well, I mean, we still kind of get that The This is why I did this stuff like that. But the reason why people did things kind of like made sense. It wasn't like the, what we had in the PG era where it was like um, high school bully type of situation. Like it's okay to book dream matches. It's okay to just say, you know, I'm just going to book these two people together. And you know, for that, but I don't need a woman. I don't need the, the female wrestlers to like, bump into each other and start doing high school musical or something you know um also (laughs) we tried to test the waters with raw underground i think that was that was sean mcmahon's little baby okay with raw underground he thought he was doing something there especially that first episode (laughs) Especially with that first episode with the strippers, that threw me off so hard. I was like, "What the hell is going on here?" And then they did the whole thing with Mick Foley too, and they tried to turn off the light. Speaking of that, um, they're also talking about the final hour, the ten to eleven o'clock hour. Um, so t- Nick Khan mentioned that when we're, sp- we're when we're specifically talking about the ten to eleven o'clock hour on Raw. Uh, we're talking specifically to NBCU and ourselves about what we can do, what what we do with that moving forward. Uh, we asked, what do we do if we tweak this, that 10 to 11 hour? It is basic cable, not broadcast, as you know. Um, so they're looking to do something special with that final hour. Because how many uh, 10-year-olds are up from 10 to 11 on a Monday night, on a school night? Summer is a completely different story. But on a school night, up from 10 to 11, you know? So, yeah, I, I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, I guess that's when they're thinking about doing, if they do blood, they'll do blood then. But it's just, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I don't I don't need, like, I don't need blood or anything like that, truthfully. If the match calls for it, if we get something, like, crazy and stuff, and we get, like, you know, trickle or something like that, I think John Moxley done overdone it for us right now that we are blood out <laughs> unless you're a vampire or something. I feel as though like if we get a non sanctioned match or, you know, something crazy happens. Okay. Right. If the match calls for it, if this feud is so like, um, if the feud is so intense and things like that, that, you know, you kind of assume that's going to eventually draw blood. I'm fine for that, but I don't want them to do it just to do it like we get sometimes with AEW. Like, I don't need, I don't need people to bleed on a random match on Raw or SmackDown, you know? Uh, Thank God, (laughs) thank God Shane didn't buy Pride or UFC, forgot who they wanted to purchase at the time. LOL, glad that didn't happen. I know, right? We would have gotten some crazy stuff featuring that guy, Okay. We already heard the rumor of Shane McMahon wanting to win the Royal Rumble. We saw what he tried to do with uh WrestleMania as well. I know. I, I don't know what we're gonna do for the final hour. I would just love I would just love the non baby stuff. Like, don't baby me down. I will love compelling things. If they want to throw out a curse word or something like that, I'm fine with it. I like it when storylines are more realistic and kind of more relatable. And I think that's why a lot of people love the bloodline storyline because how like it felt real, you know, and that's why a lot of storylines kind of get over with a lot of fans, the Kofi mania, the Daniel Bryan, Stone Cold Steve Austin, um, who else? Becky Lynch as well. When we get these type of uh, feuds and stuff, it's very relatable to us because we're like, yeah, you kind of see you can kind of connect with the person because it's like with the bloodline. Like, yeah, I'm down for my family. You know, you know, you stick with family because family is family. Of course, you know, uh, Dominic Toretto will probably uh, sit there and scream out somewhere about it. But I think it's, it's very relatable. Or the with between Sami Zayn and KO, you know, you have the friends and stuff like that, you know, brothers, stuff like that. People who, you know, you ride or die for, you know, I just don't I just wanted to I just want to be able to relate and to um, not really like kind of get immersed into it like you're watching a movie or something like that. Like with Star Wars or Marvel, you know, how people like get so detailed in the stories and stuff like that. Like I want to be captured like that. I don't need it to, I don't need blood and I don't need like, we don't need to go back to like the bikini matches or anything like that. I just want them to make things real. Realize that you are in a world where WE isn't all, doesn't all exist. Like I love the callbacks that they did to Bullet Club. Um, it, Like I remembered when they mentioned When uh I think it was Kurt Angle That mentioned TNA on live TV Oh no it was Sami Zayn that mentioned um TNA or AEW Or something like that on live TV And everybody was like oh my god He said a different company on TV Like it really shouldn't be like that You know that's what I more want to happen With WWE like I don't need If and if that If that can happen Like, I don't, if that can happen, then I would rather for that to happen. Like, I want to be able to, I would love for them to open up the world creatively. Like, yes, everybody loved when uh, Mickey James came back and she came back as the Impact Champion. That popped a lot of people. And I would love for them to kind of stick to that. Yes, acknowledge that there are other companies out there. Give us the background story about it and stuff. Um, Who do they do it with? Under Triple H, they kind of did it. I think with Michael Michael Cole had explained it. I forgot who they did it with, but they went. They talked about their um, past in New Japan and stuff like that. And I said, I love that because you have to assume that, like, don't erase what the wrestler went through, you know. Um, and they kind of did it a little bit with Cody of him constantly telling us of how he left and things like that and when he was talking to KO he mentioned how you know you introduced me to the right people when i left here and stuff like make it make it realistic you know make it make it relatable and make it realistic as well um but yeah so i think that's all the stories and everything like that but i felt I felt as though it was very interesting of what Nick Khan was talking about. And it seems like there are a lot of changes that's coming to WWE now that they have UFC. I mean, we can have some crossovers. I mean, we could have Conor McGregor go against Roman Reigns or something, or Conor McGregor versus Brock Lesnar. Okay, somebody, if my WWE insiders are listening, hello there. Okay, Conor McGregor versus Brock Lesnar. <laughs> I don't know how that would go. I don't know if it will go more wrestling side or we go more UFC side. I don't know. It's Brock Lesnar is a crazy person. So is Conor McGregor too. But that will be very interesting to watch as well. Um, But you know what? Let us get into some... A little bit of recaps. <laughs> uh, so first off, let's go into SmackDown. Um, SmackDown was okay. Um, and I'm going to go over like a uh, overview, a general overview of what happened on each show. And then um, I'll kind of break down a bit of points from there. Um, so it's been announced that the draft will be on um, April 28th and May 1st. And it seems like we're going to be opening up now. I didn't uh, see the exact details when they mentioned it. I probably I don't know if I tuned in to SmackDown too late, or I just or I just didn't catch that. But I think NXT is involved. I don't know if NXT is there as a um, a third brand or something like that. Um, it will go more wrestling side if the price is right for Connor. Yeah, I just want to know like toe to toe. Connor versus Brock Lesnar, how that would go. Like, if we do legit fight, I know wrestling side, I don't know if Connor McGregor can take, uh, to go, can go to Suplex City, but I, I'm very interested in, though, like, toe to toe. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> hey, I said Connor versus Tribal Chief at SummerSlam. <laughs> yeah, right? Connor versus Tribal Chief. I, <laughs> I would love for them to go to PG-14 for that one. Give us, like, put the uncut version, because I know it's going to be a very, very much uncut version. Because with PG-14, you can't say certain words, right? I would love for them to film an uncut version. I don't know if you could put it on YouTube, um, but probably put it on Peacock somewhere or something. You know? I would love to hear an uncut. An uncut version of a promo versus promo between Connor McGregor and Tribal Chief. It would be the funniest thing we ever seen, especially if you had Paul Heyman there as well. Um, maybe not bring solo because all Roman Marines gotta do a solo and then okay. But I would love to see with Paul Heyman, the tribal chief, and Connor McGregor, just give them all mics and just let it pop off. <laughs> Uh, your grace, I love to help, but I don't think I watch that at all. That's cool. That is completely cool. What's up, Dom? As well, uh, shout out to the top rope wrestling talk as well with the best who love the slashes and the dashes. More slashes than. Um, oh, I was about. To, I almost messed up my joke. Let's take it back. Let's take it back. They love their dashes and their slashes. Love slashes more than. Um, Jason Voorhees. I was about to say Friday the Thirteenth, but Jason Voorhees as well. Uh, Brock would break him. I, I know. I would love to see Connor versus Brock Lesnar. Like if the in, if the WWE insiders are listening, like throw that in someone's ear. Like Connor versus Brock Lesnar. Put him. You know, do the Tribal Chief and stuff like that. As what well. do the Tribal Chief versus Connor as well, but do Connor McGregor versus um versus um Brock Lesnar as well. There's so many matchups we could see there as well. <laughs> Don't forget the underscores. I know you guys you guys have a lot of love for the symbols. Like I'm waiting for you guys to do the semicolons and everything like that, the commas, <laughs> the periods as well, you know, the quotation marks and the parentheses like you know, I'm sure that the um, people, uh, the grammar people and stuff like that just loves just loves y'all um y'all uh social media handles as well um but yeah I'm with the draft I don't know if like NXT is going to be like a third brand like people from Raw or Smackdown can be drafted to NXT I know people from NXT can go to Raw and Smackdown I am just hoping this is like a selfish memory of mine I would love if they have everyone in the room just like they did the year of the draft when Ric Flair had drafted the Undertaker number one. And you see The Undertaker like take off his glasses and then you know throw his water bottle and <laughs> kick the door out too. I would love for everyone to be in a room so we could see reactions. That's why I want to see. Cause what they did, they did the one year with the ex- the fake executives with uh of Raw and SmackDown, the Fox and UFC USA executives. Give me a room of the wrestlers. And I would love to see the wrestlers' reactions and stuff like that. Like, give me another Undertaker reaction, okay? Uh, it would probably would be for Rhea Ripley or something like that. She gets drafted to somewhere she don't like as well. Um, but yeah, give me the reactions of the wrestlers. I would love to see that. I am curious though. The biggest thing is, and it's the, the biggest thing everyone talking about is who's going to be who's going to be the people drafting. Like we have Adam Pierce, who is the head. Uh, who is the head of Raw and SmackDown? So are we going to get a new GM and stuff like that? Or, you know, or, or are we just going to get like a, well, hopefully we don't get the nominous GM. That was, whew, that was a good idea that ended very badly. Yes, the Undertaker reaction was gold. Yes, I saw, I saw the reaction of Undertaker earlier today and I was, I was dying for at least five minutes there. like. His reaction was perfect. Um, Papa H. Yeah. I guess he's gonna announce, but I would I guess he's gonna announce the picks or something like that. But I would love to know like who I don't know if, if he is going to be um like I wonder if he's gonna like do like NFL type of draft. He's like the Roger Cadell, who's gonna say, you know, the pick and stuff like that. Raw Raw will be like who is the head of Raw though? <laughs> like is he picking to determine who's gonna go to Raw? And who's gonna go to SmackDown? That would be cool and different. If it's him telling us this is who I picked to go to Raw, this is who I picked to go to SmackDown, this is who I picked to go to NXT, that would be kind of cool, you know? That would be kind of cool. But I am wondering, I guess they're gonna still have Adam Pierce head of uh Raw and SmackDown. Um, and then have Shawn Michaels, I guess, for NXT. I wouldn't mind that if it's Papa H telling us this is the number one pick that i picked for raw this is number one pick for smackdown and things like that i'm very interested in that um as well um i'm waiting uh, to hear about um what was his name gable stevenson or something the olympic guy who was drafted to raw like 20 years ago and have still not debuted like that's we need to work on that somebody uh his uh his paperwork got buried somewhere. His paperwork probably got thrown out when uh <laughs> Vince McMahon left or something. Cause I haven't heard I haven't heard anything about his debut. I remember he got drafted. We were, you know, we were a little surprised. We thought that he would um we thought that he would appear out of WrestleMania or something like that to wrestle. And that was it. That's the last time that we heard of this guy. But yeah. I am just to see how this is gonna go. I think it'll be very entertaining. I think it'll be a good draft, you know. I figure we'll get more information once we get closer to that um, date as well. And I'll probably give—I don't know—I should probably do a, a mocked. I'll probably do a mock draft like we do for football or something like that of who we think should go number one. Uh, or maybe I'll do a top five or something of who we who I think should go top five for Raw, top five for SmackDown. Who should go to NXT? Who should get called up from NXT? Um, I'm reading today they had plans for him, but they changed for some reason. I'm wondering what, like, what is going on? Like, I don't know. I don't know if it's just that they don't have anything for him or if he's really that bad in training that they just, like, I don't think it's happening, bro. Like, they probably, he probably is going to be, like, one of those people. In nxt that gets um signed to nxt and then we don't see them for a while because they're training and promo class stuff like that and then we see them like a year or two later finally debuting i don't know if that's the case with this guy like it's uh it's a little concerning that he has been with them and has been officially drafted to raw and we haven't seen this guy yet like not even walk somebody down to the ring okay at least walk somebody down to the ring you know, hold, 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 um, hold Roman Reigns' title or something like that when he go to the ring. Um, I heard both. They wanted to use him for Mania, but his training wasn't up to par either. I think, yeah, I figured that's what it is. Because I thought about him earlier today, and I was wondering what was going on with him. Um, because we, he was drafted, and we didn't hear anything else from him. So it, it must be that he's just like. It's just not happening for him. And sometimes you would think that um, someone who's wrestling, like it will be a very smooth transition. um, But there's a big difference between, you know, wrestling for the Olympics and stuff like that and the the wrestling Olympic sport and doing sports entertainment like they want it to be. Because it's very much more than just wrestling. If he was in um, AEW, he probably would have, been debuted by now and he would just have been learning on the damn job while we sit here and talk mad shit about him at that point but with WWE it's all about character work so it's very possible that his character like him being a character is just like not connecting either he's forgetting lines or he's just not understanding you know he's just not understanding how to be a character I had forgot about him to be honest I forgot about him for a while too and it just hit. It just. I just thought of him somehow today. Um, everyone can't be Kurt Angle, you know. And I think that was. I think that's what's messing up WWE for them. They really are looking for the next Kurt Angle because we had Kurt Angle, we had um, Chad Gable as well. And I think that they feel as though like, and they have um, Bianca Belair too. A lot of people who came from non wrestling like non-indies background and can make it really big and wrestling and they feel as though that they can do this with the college athletes and sometimes it works but sometimes like, they have to understand that like you guys are asking for actors like this isn't just simply wrestling do a or stuff like that like you want these people to cut promos and become like bigger than life characters and it's not happening with some people as well um, we also have uh, a setup that we had this sh- this week, and we're going to have Gunther versus Xavier Woods coming uh, for SmackDown. And I'm very sure that there will be a memorial for Xavier Woods happening the next day because, oh, my gosh, he is going to get chopped up. yo. I mean, he yes, he I think he, he might be good. You know, um, he might be good, but I highly doubt it. I think uh, Gunther is going to slap the hell out of him. Um, but you know, I'm happy for Woods that he's getting a little bit of more time on TV versus you know showing us what we two K uh two K twenty three is looking like. Um, the biggest thing though that happened on SmackDown was Shinsuke Nakamura came back. Oh, Chef's kiss! I love Shinsuke Nakamura. He's back. He's still awesome. The crowd sang his song, which I'm happy about. Um, he looks like a boss. I mean. I love his gear. Shinsuke Nakamura to this day has one of my favorite entrances that I ever seen. If you never seen his entrance at Russell Kingdom, I think it's Russell Kingdom nine. Go check it out. I when I heard about him coming, I like I didn't hear about Shinsuke Nakamura. I mean, I didn't I didn't really know too much about Shinsuke Nakamura before when they announced him coming to um, to NXT. When he did the, uh, when he revealed himself to um, Sami Zayn in NXT, I didn't know too much about Shinsuke Nakamura, push Nakamura, love him. I love Shinsuke Nakamura too. So I decided to look him up. So I looked up like, you know, best matches of Shinsuke Nakamura and stuff like that. Found, you know, he's the king of strong style and stuff. And I saw the fucking entrance at Wrestle Kingdom nine. I think it's nine. I don't think it's 10. I have a Like, I feel like it's nine. If you never seen that entrance, look it up. It is the best thing ever. It had everything. And I'll give you a little, like, a little spoiler. He had strippers, yo. He had a lot of strippers. It was the best thing I've ever seen. Like, I never seen anything like it. As soon as I saw it, I was like, this guy is a star. Uh, was nine the one he fought a- AJ? I think that's the one. I think that's the one. Yeah, I, don't, I think that's the. I think that is the one he had that entrance, and it was with AJ Styles. Yeah, I forgot which one, but I did. I think I had watched his match with AJ Styles at one of the Russell Kingdoms. I think it was the one because it was AJ who did the Bullet Club John, and, and and Shinsuke Nakamura took the bullet and ate it like a fucking boss. <laughs> but yeah, that's when I had watched. I watched some Shinsuke Nakamura stuff, and so, um, so I knew who he was and then of course he debuted at NXT and it was the best thing i ever seen <laughs> i loved his entrance at that they had at NXT it was the best thing i was doing the the holy shit uh, um the holy shit chant with everyone else as well um but yeah that was that was such a great entrance but he's back and he's awesome he went against um he went against Mad cat moss which it was a cool match. I don't know. I I will lo- I wanted him to have a better match coming back, but I guess that was okay. But afterwards we had Karrion Cross, who is now going against Shinsuke Nakamura. Remember Karrion Cross? Remember the him? He is now going against Shinsuke Nakamura. I don't know how to exactly feel about this feud, uh, because they've been really Triple H has been kind of dropping the ball for Karrion Cross. So I'm hoping that we get it back with Shinsuke Nakamura. But Shinsuke Nakamura is awesome. Um, so yes, going back, yes, Mario Lopez. <laughs> Mario Lopez, what's going on? <laughs> uh, thank you for tuning in. Rhea Ripley Solo Sokola staring Down all about. Listen, okay, I love me some Rhea Ripley. It's not a secret that I love me some Rhea Ripley. And let me get into um the raw recap as well. Um, and I'm gonna talk about this new like feud or whatever Like uh, with. Judgment Day and the Bloodline, which, you know, we didn't really ask for, but I'm okay with it. Um, they decided to team up to take out each other's rivals. And this was, as Paul Heyman explained it, was brought about um, because he, he pretty much hired the, um, the Judgment Day to help out. And it's like, did he do this because he doesn't have the confidence in the Usos because the Usos lost their title to... Um, KO and Sami Zayn and it feels like now he doesn't trust the Usos to really take care of things so not only did he get Solo Sokola to kind of like you know do more but now he's now he got Judgment Day to help out against uh, Sami Zayn and KO and uh, Riddle as well and um, I I didn't expect it I was very interested in it and I feel as though this is a very good tangent for the bloodline storyline because you know with a lot of storylines things can get kind of stale but with the bloodline it's like so many different tangents and you know things that's happening and details and stuff that's being like emphasized I feel as though it's a very smart move to go about this especially that Roman Reigns is either on vacation or resting or whatnot then now we are integrating the Judgment Day, and the Bloodline, which of course brings in the LWO, um, because now the uh, the Bloodline was going against... Uh, we had Solo, excuse me, going against Ray as well, which kind of ties in the LWO. So I thought this was a very good tangent for the Bloodline as well. And then, of course, when we had the two factions standing uh, across from each other, we had Rhea Ripley just staring a hole into Solo Sokoa. And Paul Heyman saw it. He was like... Um, he told what? I think it was Jay or Jimmy. It was Jay. Tell him to switch switch places with Solo, please. He didn't, like, I, I reckon, I really love the fact that Paul Heyman was like, yo, Solo, some please switch places with Solo. T- so she's not standing in front of this guy. And uh, they switch places. And then Rhea switched places with Finn so she can stand and stand across, directly across from Solo. And I'm like... Um, yes, can we please book Rhea Ripley versus Solo Sokoa at Summerslam, please? Like, I'm I'm down for that. I'm down for um, you know, enfor- Enforcer versus Enforcer. You know, I I know it'll probably never happen. I know it'll probably never happen unless we do this in We Two K or something like that. But I was like, wow, I didn't realize that's uh, that I would love that matchup between these two. But yeah, um. I mean, Rhea Ripley is Rhea Ripley. So she, if she wants to stare you down, she's going to do it. Like the only thing you, the only thing Solo Sokoa could do is just stand there with arms folded, looking like a uh, upset three year old toddler who got his candy taken away. Um, but I'm down for that. Like I would love a stare down between them two at a Royal Rumble or something like that. If they book her, if they book her to do a, a Nia Jack spot or something as well, or even uh, Beth Phoenix. China something like that as well. Um and I thought the um I thought the matches between with these two factions and their enemies uh, was very interesting cuz we had uh Ray versus um Solo and what was interesting was the Usos tried to get involved and um it brought out LWO but in the end um Solo had won. Um, even though it, like you could say it was due to a distraction, but the distraction happened and then Ray was able to get the six, nine, the six, one, nine off of him. And then when he tried to do, um, I think it was the frog splash, um, solo was able to counter that. So it wasn't exactly like due to the interference, but the Usos did interfere. And then when we had the, um, main event of that night where we had, um, judgment day, Going against um Sammy Zayn, K- KO, and Riddle, we had Rhea Ripley interfering in the match, and she got caught and was thrown out. And what was very interesting was when Rhea Ripley was kicked out from ringside. Like that's when uh Sammy KO and Riddle really started to get a lot of offense in. What's going on, Tim? Shout out to the Tim King podcast. Be sure to check it out. What's up, JD? once in the chat for tim king as well um i found it very interesting once Rhea was away from ringside like the judgment day wasn't uh wasn't really pulling it together in this match which i thought was very interesting to kind of show like the importance of rhea ripley being able to help out the judgment day whereas though with solo solo was able to get things done but it was the usos who got involved you know just who just got involved like it If I recall the match correctly, Solo really didn't need the Usos' involvement. They involved themselves because, you know, that's what the Usos do- does, whereas on the flip side with the Judgment Day, they needed Rhea to interfere or else they won't get as much offense as they would have gotten, the advantages they would have gotten as well, so... I thought that was interesting. And it seems like we got a faction war going on or something like that. I, I feel like we should have a war games or something like that. This feels like very close to a war games type of storyline because we have faction versus faction versus faction. I'm all for it though. I would love to see, I would love to see how all this um turns out. You know, I don't know where we kind of go with Sammy KO and Riddle, but you know, LWO and the judgment day and the bloodline. I'm here for it. I'm here for it as well. Um, so going back into the um, a bit of the overview of Raw, um, we had Mr. Adversity Cody who uh comes out and suddenly he uh calls out Brock Lesnar and he um wants to face him. Well, I think he said he wants him uh t- to face him tonight or something like that, and um, he wants him to come out and stuff like that, and um. Adam Pierce comes out and goes, no, Cody, you're not medically cleared. Okay. Do not call out Brock Lesnar. You don't want to do this. You don't want that smoke. Did you see what he did to John Cena and stuff like that? Um, Did you see what he did to you last week? Like that's the tip of the iceberg of Brock Lesnar. And so Cody then go, you know, walks out and uh, Adam Pierce I don't know if he said it at this part or if he said it once um, Brock Lesnar came out, but he okayed for them to face each other at backlash in Puerto Rico. Um, and then out comes Brock Lesnar dressed up. Like, I mean, you could say either he was Jeepers Creepers or dead man walking straight up. Like, okay. Undertaker's no longer around anymore. So I'm going to, you know, wear the hat and the coat in dedication to the dead man. I don't know. You can go for whichever one there, but um, you know, Brock Lesnar comes out and just straight up just sat there and started laughing at Cody while Cody was trying to do his best um impersonation of um his best impersonation of um Neo and the Matrix going against all those Mr. Um against the uh agents. I forgot their names. Damn. Wow my memory i forgot the, the agents when there was like a thousand of them and neo was sitting there going against them all that's pretty much what cody rhodes was doing against the um security guards uh mario says thank you so much thank you th- thanks for explaining it so well my question was answered thank you you're welcome no problem but yeah um that's what that stare down was for it was just you know enforcer and enforcer trying to you know kind of stare, stare each other down to intimidate each other, you know, so that's what that was all about, but it was Rhea Ripley just being Rhea Ripley, like, she is, she's Rhea Ripley, she's a tough girl, okay, she's a tough girl, she has strong muscles, (laughs) she sees the big dog outside of, outside of Roma Reigns standing there, and she's like, hey, I can, I can fuck you up if I wanted to. Okay. Don't let the, uh, don't let the, uh, eyeshadow fool you. Okay. But yeah, that's what I kind of got with that one. Um, but yeah, going back to Mr. Adversity, Cody Rhodes. Um, so yeah, Cody wants to go against Brock Lesnar. I feel as though Adam Pierce probably tried to save Cody's life. Uh, cause Brock Lesnar, you know, we seen Brock Lesnar go for zero to 100. He'll sell for you if he really likes you. But if you sit there, if you punch him wrong, if you botch a move, he's going to pay you back. <laughs> and But we seen what we seen what Brock Lesnar did to Cody Rhodes last week. I mean, s- slammed him onto the stairs and stuff like that. And then sat there and put up the middle fingers afterwards. So, Mr. Here Comes the Pain is back once again. Um, And I don't know if Cody Rhodes, um, I don't know if Cody Rhodes was watching WWE uh, and doesn't know that there is a new place called Suplex City that um, Brock Lesnar is the mayor of. He built it. um, He built it. He runs it. um, He invites people to it. And you don't leave until he tells you to leave. So. I i am sure there may be a bet probably with DraftKings or something like that of how many Germans Brock Lesnar is going to pull off at this match against Cody Rhodes. Um, and I'm very interested to see how this match goes. Truthfully, I will not be surprised if Cody loses this match. And yes, I call myself a Cody hater, stuff like that, even though I don't hate the guy like that. I'm just keeping like I keep saying uh, in case uh, for those who don't know, I'm keeping the same energy for this guy as I did in in AEW. I'm just waiting for him to become Homelander because I think this man is in deep denial. He needs to become Homelander. Um, But, you know, he is getting cheered in love and he's Mr. Adversity and fine. We'll let it play out. I'm just waiting for Homelander to show his face. That's all I that's all I'm doing. Yeah, if Cody wants to be in something, uh, he can definitely play an alternate ver an alternate universe version of Homelander. If they ever do a multiverse or something like that, perfect guy to, to cast in that role. <laughs> he got everything down, the look and everything, the smile, the way the, 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 un- the underdog promo and stuff like that, the heroism and everything. Perfect guy to play um alternate universe Homelander. Um, but I'm very interested to see how this goes with Cody. I wouldn't be surprised if he loses this match, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he loses this match. Um, uh, Mario says who a WWE wrestler male or female that needs a push or more recognition. Um, tr- uh, so I have a number of people who I feel as though needs a push or recognition first is uh Chad Gable. Chad Gable is very talented and, um, it's very easy for people to do the comedy roles and he does it very well, but I feel as though they really missed the opportunity for him to be like a Kurt angle. Um, they went with Chad, they went with, um, Jason Jordan as far as the whole Kurt angle son, but I feel as though they really missed the opportunity for him to get with Chad Gable. And I feel as though it would have been, he could have, they could have recreated the, um, Oh um, man, I forgot the name of the fact of the wrestling faction that Kurt Angle had with him, Shelton Benjamin, and um, I forgot the third person. But I feel as though like you could have done something like that with them. So I feel as though Chad Gable um, definitely needs a push or more recognition. Um, another one too is um, I would say like I had talked about Shinsuke Nakamura. The way that Shinsuke Nakamura was in NXT and then when he kind of got up to the main roster was kind of like two different things. And yeah, he was like King Nakamura and stuff like that. But I feel as though once he came to the main roster, like a lot of his wrestling style and things like that kind of got dumbed down. And I don't know if it's because the way that they wrestle on um, the main roster, if it's like, if they are not up to his speed and stuff like that, because Shinsuke can Shinsuke can go, you know. And I think with the right person, with the right chemistry, we could see amazing matches. Like check definitely if you haven't seen Shinsuke Nakamura before he came over the main roster, um, definitely check out his match in against um, Sami Zayn. That was his NXT debut, and a lot of the matches that he did in um, NXT as well. Uh, team Angle World's Greatest Tag Team was definitely fire. I know. team. I miss Team Angle. And I felt as though they really missed the opportunity um, to push them. Um, another person who needs a push or more recognition, uh, I feel like Shayna Baszler. And unfortunately with Shayna, um, they put her with Nia Jax. The thing is with, with, with the uh, main roster, the booking on the main roster, uh, I feel bad for some people because... On the main roster, people are booked to a certain um, position. And because of that, people are very used to a person in a certain position. So when you see someone get that person get a title shot or something like that, it's not as um, really um, like it's not as um, I wouldn't say exciting, but it's not as um, I guess booked or pushed as much as it would be. Uh example for that on the women's side would be um EO. Well, you uh, she's known as EO Sky now. EO Sky. EO Sky was great in NXT. Um Piper Nevin as well, too. She was really good in NXT UK, and even too with Liv Morgan. I mean, Liv Morgan before she went after the title was booked as kind of like mid-card and stuff like that. And then so when she went for the title. Um, it was pretty much like the push for her to get the title, and when she finally got the title, it was the the push for her to get the title was more exciting to get than her getting the title. And once she got the title, um, she wasn't booked as strongly because she was only booked strongly when she went after the title. I feel as though like um, you can kind of cycle people in and out the way that they handled Gunther has been perfect. Um he wasn't booked that strongly uh before, but um once they like slowly started to build him up consist they were very consistent with Gunther and he was one of the ones that was hoping that he would get pushed properly. And I'm very happy as to where he's at now that he has the title and he's been booked very good um with the uh he has the icy title he's very booked well with the icy title um, Who else? Uh, Yeah, but with Shayna Baszler, um, she was very good in NXT. Um, She was booked very much like Ronda Rousey was, um, where she was like unstoppable. She was, you know, a very, um, she was was booked as a brawler. Whereas on the main roster, she was more, she was slightly more character and she was booked uh, as a tag team partner with uh, Nia Jax. And because of that, it kind of like led her in a very weird place. Now and I was and now she's with um, Ronda Rousey and I'm hoping that she would be booked strong again, but now she's booked more as a sidekick to Ronda instead of you know her and Ronda kind of being equal, if that makes sense. Um, but it's just it's I just want them to be consistent because they'll book someone strongly like we saw with uh, Karrion Kross, Cross who. When he debuted it, he was pretty much kind of put in the title picture between Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre. And then after a while, they really didn't know what to do with him. I mean, they had him going against uh, Rey Mysterio for a little bit. Um, and then he just kind of like fell off. And um, the same with L.A. Knight. I'm hoping they're more consistent with L.A. Knight. Um, I watched L.A. Knight when he was in N.W.A. And he's very good on the mic. Um, he can him. a a promo off between him and The Rock would be very entertaining. Um, But when he first got to, he was good in NXT, but unfortunately for him, this was the tail end of Black and Gold NXT and NXT 2.0. So once they switched over to NXT 2.0, it kind of got very weird for LA Knight. So they brought him on the main roster, but they brought him on the main roster. They completely changed his character. He was known as Max Dupree. He was um, head of the male... Uh, was a male maximum of male models, and it was just very weird. And it was like a downplay of his skills. And so now that he is back to LA Knight, um, even though his first feud is against uh, his first feud was against Bray Wyatt, and now he is going against Bray Mysterio a little bit. Um, I'm hoping that he would get the recognition and push because he's very good on the mic. People already are saying yeah stuff like that, just like him. I think if they just like let him go off, like we would be cheering for this guy and saying he'll have like a lot of quote, a lot of um, a lot of sayings and stuff like that that will repeat after him. Like he can definitely I wouldn't say as good as The Rock, but it'll definitely give The Rock vibes with catchphrases fl- catch and stuff that he'll say because we know about yeah and let me talk to you and stuff like that. And I think if they want to have, like, someone to kind of, like, for us to remember with catch sayings and stuff like that, LA Knight would be, like, the best person. I uh, love LA. I loved him since Impact Wrestling. I don't think I watched him that much in Impact. I think, uh, was he, did he go from Impact and then to NWA, or was he kind of with both at the same time? Because I definitely remember um, when I was watching, I was watching NWA, during the pandemic when they was on twitch i believe on thursdays and i was watching them during that time no that was sorry that was impact um that was impact um i watched nwa when nwa power came back and they was airing the episodes on youtube that's when i was watching some that's why i was watching nwa i forgot when that came i forgot what year that was it was maybe like two three years ago maybe um Yes, Impact and then N.W.A. Yeah, so I missed him at Impact, but I did watch him at N.W.A. And um, that's how I got to know of um, Eddie Kingston as well and um, Nick Adonis as well, too. And a couple of other people that I saw at N.W.A. as well that I became fans of. Um, and Car- uh, Camille as well. I was about to say Carmela Camille as well I was a fan of. Um, but I haven't watched N.W.A. in a little bit. But yeah. They have a lot of talented people, Mario, Um, but it's just the fact because WWE is, like, so fixated on characters, um, there's a lot of people who are very good at wrestling, um, but unfortunately, because they're not good character-wise or promos and stuff like that, it kind of falls off. It kind of falls off. Um, So... You Know that's why I kind of missed the black and gold NXT, uh, because it was more about wrestling and it had storylines and stuff like that, but it wasn't so heavy on the characters that we have with the main roster. Uh, NWA is back on YouTube again, definitely worth a watch. Yeah, I have been seeing that it is back on um YouTube, and I saw that, like, of course, YouTube's been <laughs> suggesting me to watch the uh, watch the episodes because they'll be like, Hey, N- NWA Power JD, go check it out, and I'll be like. Okay, I will. I, I might watch it again. I might watch it while working because I do work from home and I can watch stuff in between like in between things I have to do. So I may check it out then. Um but I did see I think uh there are two titles. I think no, that's that's impact. I'm getting I'm getting things mixed up. Um I think I know I know who the champion is in WA. And I'm very interested I didn't check to see how that came about and why we decided this that person, but you know, I guess. I guess that I guess it is what it is. Um, but I would love to see uh Camille's title, um, her rise to her title shot and her as champion because I believe she is champion. I don't know if she's still champion, but I did see that she was champion. I was very happy for her. I think I watched, I think she came over to AEW aw or something like that, or ring of honor, one of those two at some point. And I was like, yes, or impact. Something she did something with, with one of those two. And um that was pretty good. Um, I see. Yeah. It's a lot of people who are talented wrestling wise, but because WWE main roster is all about character work and stuff like that, a lot of people kind of go by wayside. And I feel bad for Shinsuke Nakamura and Asuka and Io Sky um, because they have very thick accents. And so um, they can't like they can't cut promos and stuff like that like they normally could. The way that they handled Eo Sky, that they had her, they had her do like uh, vignettes and stuff like that, and she would speak her native. She'll speak uh, Japanese, I think it is, and they'll have subtitles for us. But it played out very much like anime and stuff like that. So if you're a fan of anime and stuff like, or like samurai movies and stuff, and um, she like was cutting a promo in Japanese and had subtitles, and it was so cool. And I was like, I wish they could do that for the main roster. So you can kind of connect with the wrestlers more um, as well. Um, she is Camille's been champion for over a year now. Nice. Yeah, I remember when she was with Nick Adonis and she was like a China. It was so like she was pretty much China to him. And I was like, she's so damn cool. <laughs> and I saw that she was I saw that she became champion. I was very happy for her because I was rooting for her. too. I was rooting for her when she I was hoping that she would get away from being just the bodyguard and start wrestling because I felt as though she'll be very good at it. Um, but I'm happy that she is a uh, champion now um but yeah so we talked about Cody Rhodes and uh Brock Lesnar at um at raw and now we are going into uh Tris who cut a promo as well um sorry Brock Lesnar Tris Trish wore it better the uh black hat and the black coat um when the draft going to happen so the draft is happening at Smackdown uh, not this Friday but next Friday on um, April 28th and then so that's part one and then part two is going to be on Raw on May, fir- May 1st so the first so um, Smackdown and Raw will start drafting on uh, April 28th and then the rest of the rounds will continue on May 1st so it will be very kind of like the way that the NFL draft is it'll be like first second probably third and fourth rounds or fifth rounds and then they'll start with the um, later rounds on Raw. I'm not sure if they're going to do what they did previously because this is all up to Triple H. But it used to be um, it what they did pre- with the previous draft was there was a pool of people who could be drafted on the first night. So, for example, Roman Reigns cannot be drafted the first night on SmackDown. He could only be drafted on the second night at Raw. So I wonder if they're going to do something like that to kind of like uh, to kind of keep things interesting. So like not all the top people you drafted on SmackDown and then you're no longer interested on Raw the next uh, for the next round. I'm going to assume that that's what they're going to do. That way we can uh, kind of keep interested on what's going to happen for the other rounds as well. But Yeah, that's when the draft is going to happen. Um, she's very good. She's come a long way from being the bodyguard. She has, and I'm very sure she's very, I'm I'm sure she's very good. So I'm going to, I'll eventually start checking it out. I have to see, I have to see a good point of me to start tuning into NWA. Like I, I want to start at a point and then work my way towards the present instead of going present and then going backwards. Um, so I have to see, I have to see a good point of where I should start watching it. But um, Trish Stratus comes out to um, in her heel outfit with the black hat and the black coat. And she cuts a promo as to why she turned heel and why she turned on um, Becky Lynch. And she also revealed she was the person who attacked um, Lita backstage before, their, before she had the title match. Um, and I love this reason. Um, basically, the reason why she turned is because simply... Becky Lynch didn't thank her for what she did for the wrestling, um, for the wrestling world, that a lot of fans thought that the women's revolution started with the four horse women or four horse ladies, as she called them, but it actually started with her and she has been putting it down for, you know, a lot of people. She's paved the wave and stuff and how, you know, um, people always talk about Trish and Lita and, or they was like so excited that Lita was champion. And she's like, I've been, um, I've been holding it down this whole time. Like I am women's resolution revolution. And I was like, go ahead, Trish. Like a lot of people, like a lot of people talk about women's wrestling and stuff like that. And I think I talked about this before. I don't know if it was during, um, I don't know if it's during uh, this podcast, or when I was uh, doing, when I was talking on the Bloodline Entertainment um, as well, but people, a lot of people forget the attitude error for women's wrestling wasn't as good as people thought it was. Like it really was just Lita and Trish at a certain point, and everything else was pretty much like, um, like legit wrestling. It was Lita and Trish, and there was China as there. Like there was other people as well. But as far as, like, um, crazy matches and stuff like that, um, it was, like, Trish and Lita and stuff like that that really held it down. And they really, like, started to change the way that people looked at women's wrestling. Because even after they left, too, there was a lot of brawn panty matches. There were evening gown matches. There was, a pill- there was a lot of pillow fights and stuff like that. Like, women's wrestling was a, a joke. And, um... The title, the title was pretty much put on whoever was like um, the Playboy model at that time as well. And Trish um, and a lot of people kind of forget that Trish did not start out good at all. Like I give Trish a lot of prop, uh, props because when she started, her first match was not good at all. It was garbage like if she has started today and she had the match that she had when during the attitude error, people would have booed her out of the building. They would have called her worst names and they called Nia Jax. Cause the amount of botches in that match and just like pure. Whoa. Okay. And that match was crazy, but she has come a long way. She kept going at it and look at where, what she had become. Truthfully, I feel as though a lot of fans in wrestling and um I will I'll, I'll get into this again when I talk about um the whole situation with Jay White and Commander. I feel as though a lot of fans were either not born when she was wrestling or became fans very re- like recently after way after she retired. Um because a lot of fans tend to forget a lot of things that has happened. Like a lot of people Remember the attitude era, like, oh, um, Stone Cold and Triple H and this, that, and the third, and Trish and Lita and stuff. And I'm like, there was a lot of things, a lot of weird things that happened in wrestling during the attitude era. Like, people tend to forget, yes, the hurricane was there and stuff like that. Um, Yes, the um, hardcore championship was there and stuff. Um, But there were a lot of questionable segments that happened during the attitude era that if they had aired and they tried to do it today, uh, a lot of people would sit there and say, I would love to cancel my Peacock subscription, <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, But yeah, the attitude era at certain times was a bit of a struggle. And there was a lot of good things that came from the attitude era. And there was a lot of good things that a lot of people forgot about the attitude era but yeah when it comes to women's wrestling trish stratus and lita and china they really held it down um because before them it was pretty much like it was more about the looks and even after them especially um i like a little bit into i like i think uh, into the uh ruthless aggression era too um once they left like wrestle wrestle women's wrestling was not taken seriously until NXT. Um, that's in, in, in uh, AJ Lee. Unfortunately for AJ Lee, she was there, I feel as though, at the wrong period of time. She was pretty much the only person on that main roster that was very serious about wrestling and stuff. And a lot of people were not on that roster. And I feel bad for AJ Lee because I feel as though she would be tearing it up had she either been... Um, if she had been in the women's uh, revolution er era, um, era, or the attitude era where you can just, you can cut the promos and stuff like that, that you want to. Um, but yeah, I I like the fact that that's where Trish is going and that's her reasoning for turning on Becky. And it kind of makes sense. You know, you're a legend. You did all this, you paved the way for people and you're not being given the credit of who you are and what you have done. So that makes a lot of sense, you know It makes a lot of sense as to why that happened Um, But overall, between Raw and SmackDown um, I feel as though it's a pretty good setup for what's coming For um, Backlash that is coming uh, When is it coming? Is it coming? Is it May 5th? I don't know why I'm thinking May 5th As to uh, when Backlash is coming I know that uh, Double or Nothing is the end of the month, but I think Backlash is coming. I think Backlash is the beginning of the month, as I ask, I secretly ask Google, who of course is not telling me straight away because stuff and things. May 6th. Okay. Yep. It is coming up very early in the month. So yeah, we got about, what, two. Two weeks, yeah. We have two weeks before backlash comes. So we're starting to set up matches, um, and we're getting it, you know, tied away. So I'm interested to see where are we putting Bad Bunny in. Um, if Bad Bunny is going against Dom solely, or is he gonna be put in a tag team match with Rey Mysterio to go against um Dom and Damien? Or how we fit an LWO into all this. So we still got some time to figure it out. Um, It's going to be very interesting that we're throwing the draft into this as well. Um, Especially with the Monday Night Raw. It just hit me. The Monday Night Raw of the draft is the go-home show for Backlash. I don't think it was a very good idea to put this draft right before um, this pay-per-view. It would have been better if they had it. they had it after the pay-per-view but you know i'm going to trust that they have something planned here to work out as far as what they're going to do um with with dynamite i mean not with dynamite with uh backlash um so going into speaking of dynamite going into aw dynamite Um, We have the four pillars who are very dominant during this dynamite. Um, I do appreciate, I I don't mind this story between the four pillars. I feel as though this is a bit of a test to see if we can keep um, wrestling fans interested and to kind of like test the idea of the ex WWE star being champion Um, because we had um, we had Chris Jericho as champion a lot of big names, I should say, as champion. So we have uh, Chris Jericho as champion, John Moxley, Hangman Page, um, CM Punk, Kenny Omega. Um, and now we have MJF. So these are all big names and stuff like that. And now, yes, we have an, uh, an original, one of the originals of MJF. But now this is being focused on um, not really big names, but pure... AEW people of um, Darby Allen, Jungle Boy, and Sammy uh, Guevara, along with um, MJF. So I'm very interested that they, I'm happy that they're doing this. I feel as though the four pillars should have happened previously, but I understand that they wanted to, they probably wanted to wait until um, one of them was champion and then kind of start doing the four pillars thing. Um, but we opened up um dynamite with the promos between sammy guevara darby allen and um jack perry and i don't know i'm like i i was very fine with the promos between these four guys or the three guys previously but it's felt like okay we're doing a lot of talking and like we're in the introductory stages of everything we need to start getting the ball on the roll uh because we're booking towards a pay-per-view. And the one thing that I don't like that um AEW does, that Tony Khan does is that he kind of waits to last minute to really book um for some storylines. That he kind of waits to last minute to really book a very good segment uh to push the match like on the go home show. And so I was hoping that we get the ball rolling to find out if this is going to be a fatal four-way match. Or are we going to do some type of tournament to determine who will face um, MJF at double or nothing or something? Like, what are we doing here? So, in the beginning of this match, we had MJF come out and he introduced a tournament to determine who will be the number one contender. Um, Two people will go against each other that night. And then one of them will get a bye, which he drew up a name out of a hat, and it was Darby Allin. So, I'm like, okay, that was very weird. I would have... Like, I would have been... I would have been happy if they had a triple threat match tonight and we would have a winner who then will go against um, we will have a winner. And then that winner will go against um, the, the winner of the two losers who would then have a match. Like, let's say, for example, um, we had um, Darby Island. We had the triple threat match. Darby Island wins. So Darby Island would go against the winner between Jack Perry and Sammy Guevara from there. Um, that's why I was hoping that they would have done, but, um, you know, um, Black Street Wrestling said, I usually don't mind long talking segments in wrestling, but this was kind of rough. It was kind of rough. And what didn't help was the fans weren't into it either. And I think like, you can't, that's because they weren't like hitting it out of the park with the um, with the shots and stuff like that, like they did when MJF is in the was in the ring. So I don't know if that was because MJF was in the ring and it was pretty much just like MJF is in the ring, so I'm going to like go at it at all costs as far as taking the shots and stuff like that, or if they or if they like kind of held back because they did they like took the biggest shots that they could during that segment. And they really didn't know how to um, come back with something afterwards, you know. So it was pretty a bit rough. And the crowd didn't help out either. So that's why I was kind of hoping that they would start, like, getting into the match building and stuff like that. So I was fine with them announcing that that night, you know, we have Sammy Guevara going against uh, Jack Perry. The winner of that match is going to go against Darby Allen. I think, next week or something like that. And then that winner will go against um MJF for double or nothing. So I was like, okay, finally, we are working towards the um the championship match. Um, and then we had a backstage segment against with MJF and Sammy Guevara, where MJF told Sammy that, you know, I'll give you a blank check and stuff like that. And Sammy said you could buy me France or something. And then MJF was like, I'll I you know, um, he said, you know, if you I'll put you in the match with me at double or nothing and all you got to do is lay down. And then they kind of like made a deal. And so later on, we had, um, I believe, uh, I, like I didn't catch the the um, I didn't catch the main event that could. Um, but I saw that Sammy Guevara won and I believe it was due to the count out because MJF had uh, interfered. And then afterwards, um, MJF and Sammy Guevara kind of like celebrate it and stuff like that. And it was just like, what is going on here? Like, I don't know what's going on with this type of booking. So it's like, okay, are we, um, are we just throwing in this wrench and this will eventually become a fatal four-way match or something? Cause that's what I'm assuming is still happening. I'm assuming that this is turning into a fatal four way match. I'm sure Tony Khan is going to turn this into like a four pillars match or something. He's going to, he's going to come up with something creative here. he's going to turn into like a four pillars match uh, with these four. I think that would be a lot more entertaining to have the fatal four way match than to have a one-on-one match with MJF. Um, because you can still, whoever's going to win this match, whoever's going to be champion, you can still book it just as fun with the Fatal 4-Way match. And it'll really show the skills of the four guys. Uh, because people just just like um, said, okay. But MJF just got props for his wrestling skills because of his match with um, um, Brian Danielson. And Sammy Guevara, he has his, he, you know, Sammy Guevara and Darby is there too. But as far as like AEW pillars like we need all four of them to be in a match so they can show us why they are called the four pillars and you know to kind of show people too who don't know that they are called the four pillars as to why they are who they are why are they like being why are they being presented like this in um WWE I mean AEW so I'm that's what I'm hoping I'm hoping that we would get a four pillars match with these guys and that they could show us like really what's going on i think that'll be a very exciting um match for double or nothing because this match really has to be strong because this is potentially the main event because mjf is champion so i'm hoping this is a fatal four-way match throw a throw a ladder in there or something like that because you know these guys will go crazy okay sammy especially sammy and darby allen They'll do some crazy spots and not for them, not for them to go completely crazy, um, but I feel as though to show us why, why are they the four pillars? Um, So going back to some more recaps of AEW, um, we had powerhouse Hobbs who lost the title against, against Wardlow. And I'm sad about it because I was very happy that Hobbs won the title. I didn't really like his booking too much because then it became more about QT Marshall and Powerhouse Hobbs was just like in the background instead of this being like the spot for Powerhouse Hobbs. And now that Powerhouse Hobbs lost the title, I'm hoping this means that Powerhouse Hobbs will stay, will now like back away from QT Marshall um, because we've seen the TNT title get bounced around. I mean, that thing gets passed around like 24 seven championship at sometimes. I'm hoping that he I'm hoping that Powerhouse Hobbs get booked strongly like Samoa Joe was when he was champ champ. Um even Warlow at a certain point too when he was um TNT champion, or especially Darby Allen when he was um, TNT champion. Um I know like ever since Brody Lee um lost the title. Well not lose the title, ever since the title was taken, um ever since Brody Lee had passed, I should say. The TNT title hasn't been the same. And so um, I just wish that, you know, I just wish that it would be taken a little bit more seriously and booked as strong. Um, You know, I was fine when Cody had it and he was doing the open challenges and stuff like that, even though it was against people that he could beat very easily. But um, I just just wish that the title was booked very strongly. Um, Poor Powerhouse is a damn shame too. It is because I had a lot of hope for them. But the moment that I saw that he was pretty much sidekick to QT Marshall and everything was about QT Marshall and the QT TV and stuff, I was like, damn it. Should we just drop the ball on that one? Um, Miro was the last legit champ. Yeah, I forgot. See, I forgot about Miro because Miro has been gone for so long. Yes, the Redeemer. I loved him when he was the TNT champion. He was talking about his hot wife and stuff like that. He That was good. Like, I wish that we had kept that energy with the TNT Championship, like, book that bad boy, like, you are booking this AEW title. Like, so far, so far, every AEW title holder has held the belt for six months or more. We need, like, we don't need the TNT title to be held for, like, six months or something like that. Like, some people just need to hold it for a month, okay? Um, But I wish that it was booked, like, to be taken seriously. I mean, look at Gunther with the um with the IC title. Look at Austin Theory with the US title. Like I wish that they would book that title a little bit more seriously and give it more prestige. But, you know, we'll see we'll see what happens with um Powerhouse Hobbs. Um we also have AEW's little babyface couple. I'm not sure, but I'm very sh- I'm I'm not 100% sure, but I'm very sure that um, Adam Cole and Britt Baker outside of Cody Rhodes and, and and Brandy. Like I know that they were, but I think this is AEW's legit couple here. Like they really get this might be bad, but I don't know. I don't know how to feel about um Adam Cole and Britt Baker being the on-screen couple, especially the especially the segment that we had um on this past dynamite. I don't know how to feel about it. You know, I feel as though I have wished that. Now that we have Adam Cole back, I wish that we have gotten like top tier Adam Cole booking. And that's probably why I'm not really feeling the um, the the lovely baby face um, couple here. But I had expectations for like Adam Cole, baby, to come back and be booked strongly and be booked, you know, without the elite and stuff like that. And now that we got Britt Baker put in here, it's like, mm, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, I know we're doing this because of the show, um, which I was watching. I didn't I don't think I watched this past up uh, this past week. But I've been watching the show and I get it. <laughs> I get it. You wanna you wanna put them over and stuff. Um, I'm so sorry, Britt <laughs> Insert over Overdramatic expression. <laughs> exactly. Like, I wish that we had Adam Cole, baby. But we got to we got to put over the baby face couple. Um, Daniel, Gar- Daniel Garcia, uh, this poor guy, he had the job of handcuffing um, Adam Cole to the ring. And, and, you know, there's two handcuffs. Like, I'm sure he's probably too young to have seen the show Cops. I'm sure he He never played like cops or cops or robbers or anything like that. Or he's not on that level of dating in his life. But there's two handcuffs. You know, you put them, you can't cuff him to the rope or something. And, um, you know, pull Britt Baker a little bit further away. Uh, but he took one handcuff and handcuffed Adam Cole to the rope. I'm sure Adam Cole's wrist was probably hurting like hell. Um, and the other handcuff was just kind of flopping there. Uh, then they took. Then um, Chris Jericho took the uh, Kindle stick. Um, no, no, yeah. So then that was that. Um, Britt. They started beating up. They started beating up Adam Cole, and then Brick Baker comes down to save him. And I'm like, why? Why is this happening? Okay, why? Why is this happening? Like, why didn't the elite come out? Like, he has boys. He has the young bucks at least. Uh, probably not Hangman or Kenny. But at least the Young Bucks, you know, I could have sworn he was cool with the Young Bucks before he got injured. And I would think if he's getting beat up by Chris Chris Jericho and the JAS, it would be the Young Bucks that would come out to save him and not Britt Baker. But whatever, it's the girlfriend. You got to come out and save your guy. She comes out and she like pulls Chris Jericho off of him. And I probably am a bad person for this. but I was sitting there like, are they going to do it? Are they going to... (laughs) Is Chris Jericho just gonna slap her or something? Uh, but then comes in uh Soraya and the Outcasts, um, and they handle Britt Baker. And then it's a the whole thing. And I'm like, why didn't why didn't the young bucks come out at this point? Like, that's your boy, you know, you may not be cool with Britt Baker, whatever, but that's your boy, you know, that's your roadie. Y'all yeah, was happy when he came back. Like, um, Adam turned on the Young Bucks right before he took that break. Oh, yes, that's right. See? See? AEW needs to do recaps. (laughs) AEW needs to do recaps. Okay, yeah, he turned on the Young Bucks before he left. So that's why the Young Bucks didn't come out. Yes, so all he had, I guess, was Britt Baker to save him. Um, uh, But Adam Cole should have got, I mean... Uh, Adam Cole should know. I mean, you've been in wrestling for a long time. You should know wrestling 101. If someone has a faction and you're going against them 9 times out of 10 said faction is going He was in a faction. He had he had he was in a bunch of factions first of all. He was in the undisputed the, um he was under the undisputed elite and the um what was the AEW version called? <laughs> I forgot. Damn. I forgot. I was about to say the Undisputed Elite. I don't think that was their name, but it was Undisputed Error. And I'm I know as soon as I find out what their name was in AEW, I'm be like, oh yeah. Where's the parrot? No, that was Red Dragon. He had a faction in AEW too. And so Adam Cole of all people should know if you're going against someone who has a faction, Undisputed Elite. Yeah, it was Undisputed Elite. Okay. I wasn't 100% sure on the undisputed part. Um, but, yeah, we had Undisputed error, Undisputed Elite. And, um, yeah, AEW, Undisputed Elite, and then uh, Moneymaker, Chris, said that was it. Yeah. So, a- Adam Cole, of all people, should know, if you're going against someone who's in a faction, if you go to attack that person or anything, or even talk to that person, said faction is going to jump you from behind. So, Adam Cole should have had some backups. Um, I don't know, ask Action Andretti or something. Like he is ready to jump in the ring with with Chris Jericho. You could have had someone, he didn't have anyone. Girlfriend shows up. So, you know, we, we get back to uh Saraya comes in and the outcast, they beat her up and stuff like that. Um, and that's when they handcuff Adam Cole and they make her watching and stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like I feel like this I'm watching like a soap opera or something like that. Um and then he, they, t- he, they take out the kendo stick and Adam Cole was like, do it, do it, hit me. I'm like, okay, Joker, Heath Ledger, hit me, hit me. Um, and then of course he looks over at Saraya, he hands her the kendo stick and then they hit her with it. And he goes, no, let her go, let her go. <laughs> and I, I, I don't know, I felt... I really shouldn't say this, but I felt a bit cringy with that, with that. So he was like, let her go, don't do it. Brett, no. And it was just like, oh my gosh, yes. Clark Street Wrestling. It was a bad CW teen drama. It was straight up Degrassi, yo. If you never seen Degrassi, look it up. Drake used to be on there. That's I knew Drake. I knew Drake from Degrassi before he became Drake. Um, I don't know if that explains like how old I am or something, but I knew Drake from that show. It was just like cringe. And I'm like, oh man, like, I I get why we're doing the, the power couple, but I wish we didn't have to go this route. I wish we didn't have to go this route, but it is what it is because they have the show that they got to promote and because they're being shown on the show as boyfriend and girlfriend, Adam Cole is called Austin by Britt Baker and stuff that we had to bring them on actual TV and stuff. But I don't know. Um, the story is missing the emotion. I think to the, sto- yeah, it is missing emotion because when Adam Cole was sitting there saying, stop, leave her alone and all this stuff, like, uh, I know, like, I should, like, he, I should feel his pain because that is his actual girlfriend, but it wasn't coming across to me or anything. It, it really read like a, a, um, a soap opera, but I don't know. It's be- I think it's because we've seen Adam Cole, like, you know, booked so great. And with the undisputed era and undisputed elite and stuff like that. And the promo that every, and the promo that everybody keeps putting on Twitter of him cutting that promo against Karrion Cross Of the you can't lace my boots and stuff like that. Like I have that Adam Cole in my head. And like seeing this guy. Like it really gave me. It really gave me John Cena and Nikki Bella vibes. That's what them two on. That's what them two give me. Um, it seems so forced with that segment. It did. Like I don't know. Like I'm sure. I've actually I've seen them two. As regular people on his stream, and they seem like a very lovely couple, but I feel as though I think what it is—it's Adam Cole and Britt Baker, and them those two characters coming together is very awkward. Um, because with that, I feel as though like we're blur, like you're kind of blurring it. Uh, because we had Britt Baker, like the um the heel Britt Baker who can cut the promos and stuff like that even though she was like kind of a face to recently uh, with them going against the outcasts, And then we have Adam Cole and stuff like that. And now that they're not only just faces, but now they're a couple and they have to be like, in, like, like in love against a lot of people. That's probably very awkward. And I can understand that. I can understand like uh, me and the hubs, like we're a very cool people. We're a very lovely couple, But we don't do PDA or anything like that. And I think that's probably what it is with them, too, because it has to be put out there. It's just like you're kind of awkward because it's just like, okay, there's like millions of people um, watching us right now. We got to be like, you know, you got to like play a part and stuff like that. So they can't really be themselves because they still have to be Britt Baker and Adam Cole. And I think that's why there's like such a disconnect because. Um, if Britt Baker was cutting her promos the way that she did, especially as heel, Britt Baker, and then Adam Cole cutting his promos and stuff like that. And then now, like them two come together, especially when he had his match, and then she comes out and they kiss, and then the then the um streamers and stuff like that comes out, and I'm like, What are we doing here? Like, what is this? Um, it is. I don't think they will be as bad as Seth and Becky were on screen together, right. And I've seen Beck and uh, I've seen Seth and Becky together like off screen. They seem like a very cool couple. Um, I saw them on uh, Seamus's workout YouTube channel. They were very cool. They were very cool together. But I guess it's the characters that's just just disjoint. Um, Because you have to, like Becky has to be the man. But also like be like the girlfriend of Seth Rollins. And then Seth Rollins have to be like. Like I, I, think that's what it is. Like it probably worked for Nick. Like I don't know. It just really gave me Nikki Bella and John Cena vibes with them too. And I don't know. I don't think it's. I don't think for me it's gonna work because it's two people who are very good at being like tweeners or heels. And now your face, you're now you're making them into like your baby face power couple which doesn't really come across that well sometimes it's probably very awkward for them uh it worked for edge and beth it did but also too um clark street wrestling edge and edge was still edge and beth was still beth as faces like they were two faces that worked really well as faces i think because and between and before they came together too like we saw them very much individually as faces and i think that's probably what it is like We had like, I I mean, at least for me, I feel as though like I identified with Adam Cole and Britt Baker so much as good, very good as heels or tweeners and stuff like that. But now that they got to turn around and be like this lovely baby face couple, it's like not working. I think if we had the time to see Adam Cole as the face and Britt Baker as a face for a while, because we were kind of getting her as a face. Um. When the out with the outcast storyline and I don't think we had it long enough for her to like truly be a face for us to like really get it. Like we seen, we seen edge as a face for a while and the same with uh, Beth Phoenix as well. And so now when they come together, it like kind of works or it could be that edge and are that like, they are like, um, they both, <laughs> they both worked in, um, you know, love storylines before, so they had the experience. Like, we haven't really seen that with uh, Adam Cole or Britt Baker. So it could be is the fact that this is their first time doing, like, the love storylines, that that's why it's coming off a bit awkward, because they probably don't know how to, like, really make it, like, come across um, authentic on the camera. That could be what it is. I don't know. I'm hoping that maybe this is just, like, jitters because this is like the first time that he got to do this um and that's why that is like coming off very awkward and weird and stuff um maybe maybe as time goes on it'll get a little bit better but yeah yeah, it, it does it worked very well for Edge and Beth. Like they seem like, like like yeah, yeah, that's a legit powerhouse couple. They're married and stuff like that. And their relationship between each other is very genuine and authentic. That um it's not just like like it's Edge and Beth. You know, it's not Edge Edge outside Edge and Beth outside Beth. And then now they gotta come together under it. Uh but that that they made it seem and they made it work seamlessly. I don't know. We'll, I'm hoping that um, it gets a little better. Um, also, we had um, the segment with the Young Bucks and um, uh, Blackpool Combat Club. First of all, I love Brian Dangerson as a heel. I'll keep on saying this. Um, he's given us the word amateur. Um, which now we all say that is the word of 2023 and that's amateur uh, he comes on the screen and he calls the young bucks amateurs and he mentioned how Kenny Omega is not amateur and that he is you know I think he said he was a pretty good pro wrestler and stuff um but he he uh he, of course he's not as good as Brian Danielson of course according to Brian Danielson. But of course, um, we had Blackpool Combat Club come in and jump them from behind. You you thought the crowd was cheering because they saw Hangman Page or something like that, but it was actually the Blackpool Combat Club. Um, and so they come in, they um, jump them and stuff. And uh, Brian Danielson comes out, of course, just talking match it. And then Dom Collis comes out with a chair, <laughs> of course, shaking so much. And then Brian Danielson says. What are you gonna do, Don? Huh? What you gonna do? <laughs> and then Don uh Don drops the chair and runs away. And um Brian Danielson, like, that's what I thought, Don. Run away. Run away. Like, I would love to see a whole like, give me a whole hour of Brian Danielson cutting these heel promos against people. I think it would be the best thing ever. <laughs> um but yeah, of course, the young bucks are getting beat up and stuff like that. Uh, Kenny Omega was um, being held down by the Blackpool Combat Club, and like I said, um, I was in the chat with uh, Top Rope Wrestling Talk during uh, Dynamite, and I said I will forever cheer for Wheeler Yuta because he is from Philly, so I always cheer for him. I want a shirt. <laughs> I want a shirt with all caps saying amateur. I will not be surprised if AEW does not have that shirt already. Like, come on, Tony. Where are we doing? If Tony Khan is listening to this, please release that t shirt that says amateur in all caps. Uh, preferably with Brian Danielson holding a mic and pointing at you. <laughs> please make that design. Brian Danielson on a mic with the green jacket, of course. You have to have the green jacket pointing at you and the word in all cap- caps amateur. Wear that everywhere, okay. Wear that shirt everywhere. I would love to see that happen. But we had, um, but then we had uh, Don Carlos comes in with kenosuke um, Takesha, uh, coming out and he helped out Kenny Omega. And then, in the end, um, Don hold held both of their arms up. Stuff so I keep wanting to call him Dom because we got Dom Dominic and everything, but it's Don. Then Don held their hands up, and I'm like, "Um, are we redoing the Golden Lovers? Are we about to have the Golden Acquaintances up in here? Um, I know Coda is looking to um, go to AEW. Ooh, that would be a you want to talk about triangles? <laughs> if this is if this is what's going to happen, okay." If this triangle is happening, I'm all for it. The golden acquaintances, the golden friend, the golden acquaintances turn into the golden friends and the golden lover comes in and be like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I will love that. I will love I would love to see that triangle of the golden lovers and the golden Golden Friends and then Kenny Omega has to choose who. More likely, Tony Khan will then book them two together of Takesha versus uh, Coda, And it'll be like, you know, oh my gosh, I was about to say the golden match, but um, I don't want a stupid Sonic ring or anything like that floating with Cody, with Kenny's face on it or something. Um, but yeah, I would love to see that storyline play out. But I think Coda is trying to go into... Trying to get to AEW, or at least that's what all the dirt sheets keep saying. Um, But I would love to see that happen. Um, But I don't mind, I I really wouldn't mind uh, uh, Takesha teaming up with Kenny Omega. I'm I'm interested to see how that plays out. Uh, Because Takesha is very good. I love this match against Kenny Omega, so I think it will turn out very well. Um, So then finally, we get to the debut of Jay White now a lot of people was kind of hyped for it and stuff like that um was it the best um was it the best debut for Jay White no I feel as though that the issue with Tony Khan is that he assumes all of us watching knows exactly who Jay White is Um, which if you only watch American wrestling you have no idea who Jay White is you only seen him the time that he went to AEW for Forbidden Door. I think that's the only time J. White has appeared in AEW. So other than that, you don't really know who J. White is. And even with that, that wasn't still a good showing of J. White. And so on paper, I thought the match between him and Commander would be very good. Um, but it's very two different wrestling styles. Sometimes that doesn't really work out that well. I would love for him to debut against someone more his style. Um, Like that would have been a great dream match that book him versus Adam Cole, for example, if Adam Cole was good enough to go. Um, That would have been great to just dream book that. Boom. Just to put eyes on, not only to put eyes on that match because it's Adam Cole, but it would have been a great introduction between these two. And you could have been talking about the history of the uh, bully club and all this other stuff between these two i think that would have worked out better than him versus commander i'm a fan of commander i didn't even realize he is 0 and three or 0 and four at this point because i love i love his spots and stuff um but yeah commander is a lucha and so yeah he does the flippy stuff that apparently people um people aren't really fanned of and of course there was the spot now i'm it was not the smoothest uh sequence. Um, but there was a spot where Commander had hop on the ropes, um, grab, uh, he, um, ricocheted off the top rope. And he, I guess he tried to, fl- he wanted to flip and roll to land on the second rope, but that wasn't smooth at all because he kind of was like more on Jay White. So Jay White kind of had to like push him off and stuff. Um, and then, uh, of course, there was a sequence of him holding Jay White's, um, hand, uh, hand. He chopped him, then he hopped on the rope, then he went from second rope, top rope, you know, the the rope spots that a lot of the luchas love to do. And a lot of people had a lot of issues with that because, yes, Jay White was just standing there holding his arm. And a lot of people had a lot of issues with that spot because technically, yes, Jay White was just standing there. Which we have seen plenty of times in all of wrestling of people just standing there for the spot. Me, I I, I love spots. (laughs) I love my spots, so I was sitting there ooing on ah, of the fact that he was just effortlessly bouncing on the second and third row. Because I was sitting there like, "Oh wow, look at him go!" Um, it wasn't the smoothest, no, and a lot of people had issues with it. And of course, um, that's why I don't, I don't be on Twitter as much because Twitter sometimes gets me upset because the IWC can get on there and they nitpick and they argue over the littlest things instead of just enjoying wrestling. Like you cannot like you can. You can dislike the things that you don't like. I'm not going to sit here and say you have to perfectly love everything. I'm a hater of Cody Rhodes. Uh, you know, if you don't like, if you're not a fan of Roman Reigns, you know, you're not a fan of Roman Reigns. If you are not a fan of the Judgment Day, you're not a fan of the Judgment Day. If you don't care for, um, if you don't care for Bianca Belair's champ anymore, that's fine. If you're not a fan of AEW, you know, that's completely fine. It's just people being hypocrites. And is saying like they don't like this because of this whole like tribism thing that's going on that they feel as though because they watched one company that they have to like anything that happens in the other company is completely bad. But if it happens in the company that they like, then they'll love it all again. If Commander was in WWE and he did that same spot, they would have loved it. Oh my gosh, this was the greatest thing ever. Did you see what he did? Oh my gosh, I can't wait for him to go against. Ray Mysterio. That's the thing that I don't like. So it turned into this whole debate of this, as far as um they had a they had an issue with the spot because Jay White was was kind of standing there, and I'm like, if you do pay attention, whenever someone does the spot of the um, suicide dive or the dive over the rope, like onto twenty people, you do realize the twenty people are legit standing there looking up, waiting for the person to do the spot. So yes, technically. It is a dance. Someone does have this kind of stand there. There was a spot in on um NWE where um Top Dollar kind of had um kind of was holding someone's arm and he climbed up on the top rope and he stood there and he did this and stuff like that for a nice minute while the person was technically just holding him up there. I think it was against uh, Mustafa Ali. There were, of course. Coming from a Undertaker fan, because this got brought up. Undertaker's old school. Someone, I think it was Joey Janella actually, that brought up um, what's the difference between what he did and um, Undertaker old school. Then people was like, oh, that uh, this was better. And they started breaking down. Like it's still the same thing. It's still someone holding the other person up while they do the move. Undertaker actually holds the person's hand. It's not like he just hops onto the top rope. He slowly, climbs the, he slowly climbs the ropes one foot at a time, and then he he crosses the ropes, and depending on the pop of the crowd, he may stand on that top rope for a little bit longer, and then he'll jump off and hit the person. There are plenty of times that we've seen people climb up to top of the cages, and we see the person down below doing the border combat stun wiggle, looking up to make sure that they're in the right spot. Yes, of course. Um, And then there's people who like says, you know, what Commander does is a lot of things that they do in Lucha Libre, which is kind of (laughs) true. Don't if you ever watched uh, Triple A, Triple Mania, I watched a little bit of Lucha Underground. I should get back to watching that again. But if you watch any of the stuff that a lot of Luchas do, it is about the spots. And yes, there will be people holding them up. There'll be people helping them with the spots and stuff like that. It's all about the flashy, the spots in their entertainment sometimes when it comes to the matches. And it is what it is. Like nine times out of people, nine times out of ten, uh, if you, we really get realistic, you can kick out of a surprise roll up. And we've seen plenty of people sit there and wiggle the legs, stuff like that, of a pin that they could easily kicked out of. Or the times that we see people roll into one pin and then roll into the other pin and then they get the win from that. So I feel as though people looked at this like so deeply that just enjoy wrestling, you know, just enjoy the fact I was I was I was popping for the fact that he was jumping from the second to third rope perfectly, you know. And I, it's, like, I've really come to realize, like, a lot of people are complaining a lot of things that's going on today. And it's, like, there is no way that you guys were watching the Attitude Era back then. Because there was a lot of silliness that was going on during the Attitude Era. It was a lot of spots, a lot of things that was happening during the Attitude Era. I mean, like, um, hell. Um, what was their names? Uh, with Blue Meanie and his group back in the day. Um with um the i was about to say the clown posse or something like that i forgot their names but it had the big guy and they would sit there and wave their arms and stuff like that like there was a lot of groups and stuff like that and a lot of things that happened especially in in wrestling matches that happened that you know people would probably just have such an issue with you know uh wrestling twitter annoys me too it annoys me and that's why I'm not on Twitter as much as I used to because the Twitter, Twitter, I don't know why, I've been muting people. I've been muting um, accounts that just like does nothing but complains and like finds nothing good to say. I've been muting those people. But for some reason, Twitter keeps posting people who either retweeted that said person or pretty much says what that said person is. So I don't know what's going on with the Twitter with the Twitter algorithm, um, but I'll see, I'll see people arguing about the littlest thing, and it's like, you know, there is so much wrestling wrestling companies in the world. Just turn it off, you know. Just turn it off. Um, MoneyMaker Chris says I mute people too. I love my handful of people I could talk wrestling with. Same here. I like I like talking to people. And if you don't like it, you know, it's not like, oh, I don't like it because this, that, and a third. But if it's in WWE or AEW, like, you're completely cool with it. Like, if you don't like it, you know, you can either just say, like, it's just not my cup of tea and I'm fine with it. But it's just the whole, like, um, bashing it just to bash it, I should say. Like I, uh, the people I talk to and stuff like that, when they have issues with things, they have legit reasons and, you know, they're not like just flying off the handles and just be like, you know, completely being unfair about stuff. Like they have a legit reason they'll discuss it and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, I, I see what you mean by that. Like I'm like WWE and AEW are not perfect. I like both companies. Um, I watch, I had watched impact from time to time impact isn't net. Uh, actually my my cup of tea there's some things i like about impact but um impact just doesn't do for me long term um nwa was pretty good um i had loved the fact that it's like very studio and stuff like that um but for me uh sometimes um i like i like a love crowd reaction and with nwa the crowd like the silence i guess i should say really distracts me when i watch nwa And, um, I love, like, I love how they talk to, like, how they're, they do the interviews and NWA and stuff like that. And I love the studio audience thing, but it's just like, I, I love hearing the crowd pop for things or like react to stuff. Um, so that's what had all, that's what I had always liked. Um, I gotten back into impact recently said moneymaker Chris. Yeah. And it's like, you know, whatever works for you. I had watched GCW. I didn't like GCW at all. And there's people who love GCW. And there's no problem with it. For me, I just didn't like it. It wasn't really my cup of tea. Um, But I'm not going to sit here and like, you know, I'm not going to hate watch it, I guess I should say. I don't like it when people hate watch things. Because like it's a waste of of time, you know. Um, But yeah, but... I, I don't get the issue that uh, like I, I wasn't the smoothest the spot with commander and Jay white wasn't the smoothest. And um, I feel as though the reason why the match didn't work too well is because Jay white and commander has very two different wrestling styles and it just wasn't working. Um, Jay white is very more is a lot more grounded than commander was. Um, and commander, like during the match, he tried to run the ropes like four times during the match. Um, And I feel as though with Commander, it works more with people who wrestling styles work perfectly with luchas and stuff. Not saying that Jay White can't adapt and stuff like that. Like, Jay White's wrestling style matches perfectly with New Japan. Um, Grounded, hard-hitting, and stuff like that. A match between him and Kenny Omega, chef's kiss. That would be a great match. A match between him, like, he works great with maybe a wrestling technician. Like, a match between him and Brian Danielson would work very good as well. But I feel as though a match between with Commander really didn't really wasn't the best match to put him with. Like on paper, it should have worked, but once I watched it, and I really thought about it, like nah, it wasn't really that good. So yeah, um, but we'll see what happens next week um, of what where we're going with uh, Jay White in his first feud. I guess I'm guessing it's gonna be Ricky Starks, um, and I would love to see how that works out for him. I, I have a lot of hope for Jay White. Um, you know, this is like, it's going to be a slow start with him because not a lot of people know who he is. Um, even though when he debuted it, like he had a pop, but it wasn't as big as a pop as I expected it to be. Like they pop hot, the crowd pops more for Chris Jericho and his song than they did for when Jay White came. So fingers crossed that, you know, Jay White uh, eventually gets booked big. Um, I think once he starts interacting with the elite or Adam Cole or something like that, or someone wrestling more his style, that's when people will start to gravitate towards him. So, yeah. But, um, yeah, that is it for the wrestling bread podcast though um thank you guys so much for listening um let me plug some stuff here you can find me on twitter at jdc137 that's j-a-y-d-e-e the letter c137 i feel like j i feel like jeff jarrett if you know you know every time i go to that you can find the podcast on twitter at russell bread as well be sure to click the links in the bio for the instagram the facebook um and the TikTok. I'm gonna work more on the TikTok eventually. <laughs> I gotta get my life together first. <laughs> you can also find fa- so you can find me um every Thursday, live exclusively on the broad Ugh. the Bloodline Entertainment Network. I will get it together, I promise. Um you can find the Bloodline Entertainment Network on all the socials. Go to the website bloodlinenetwork.com. Um and you can get all the information. There's a lot of great articles out there um, that is beyond the wrestling podcast, stuff like that. Like I said, it goes more into the um, sports. So we t- they talk about um, UFC, baseball, NBA, and everything like that. More to just wrestling. Um, there are a lot of great articles out there by great writers that breaks down power rankings and everything like that. So be sure to check out the website there. There's also... If you think this podcast was amazing, there's a lot of other podcasts out there that's amazing too. Clark Street Wrestling Podcast, Top Rope Wrestling Talk Podcast, Circle of Debate, the Tim King Show, um, the Universal Wrestling Podcast, uh, Cage My IQ. We also have um, uh, Out of There as well, if you're into, um, that's more about Phillies baseball, but they do cover baseball as well. But there's a lot of podcasts out there. You know, be sure to check out everything over there. Be sure to put the ones in the chat and always acknowledge us. Um, great show tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in, uh, not only to Moneymaker Chris, but to everyone who is watching as well. Um, thank you so much for listening, guys. And until next time, guys, peace. You're listening to the Russell Bread Podcast. Yeah, but be one beer.